I had thoughts on things that we should discuss. And oh, now they've come back to me. All right. Popcorn. I'm going to jot them down. Yeah. Popcorn. So we've all been to conferences and Justin's company released like a million things at his conference. Or two. Well, I guess new versions of some things, but yeah. Right. That you're just like going to trash everything that everyone uses right now. <laughs> what? That's the plan, right? What, to like uh, take over the world? Destroy, destroy Vagrant and replace it with a small German man. <laughs> so yeah, first I asked internally and the etymology of Otto is just, it sounds like auto, A-U-T-O. But yeah, Otto is a tool, which I was explaining this to Len the other day and I was like, okay, Len, so you run auto compile in your Rails app and then you run auto dev and it starts a Vagrant VM with a rail server running and he was like so what and then i was like <laughs> and then i was like then you do auto infra and then auto build and then auto deploy and i can explain those things if you want uh but then it has then you have your rails app running in aws using best practices like vpcs and security groups and everything else that part seemed like a game changer yeah so it makes aws deploys almost Roku-esque in their simplicity? Yeah, the idea is that it would detect what kind of app you're running, like Rails or um, Node, or I think there's PHP support. Somebody just added Python. Which is, I mean, that's Heroku-esque. Yeah, yeah. So it would de- it would detect what you're using, help you set up a development environment locally. Like there, there doesn't need to like be somebody on your team or on your project that needs to like make the Vagrant VM and keep up to date. The idea is that the auto community would keep up the Rails app type up to date for you. Yeah. So you you can develop locally and then it should just be a few commands to create an infrastructure on AWS, or I I believe that there's supposed to be DigitalOcean and Google compute engine support coming too. Did you guys make Vagrant faster? Uh, No, but if you (laughs) did try auto dev SSH, which I think is what you're saying, it doesn't use Vagrant SSH. It just gets the SSH credentials from from Vagrant and then uses them from Go. Mm -hmm, Cool. Vagrant's pretty fast, though. The The slow part is building a virtual box machine. Are you saying that like building a machine is slow or like running the commands are slow? Uh, just sometimes running the command is like a few second feedback. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that, uh, yeah, that Vagrant is still that speed because it's written in Ruby. Mm-hmm. And most of the auto commands don't use the Vagrant commands, I guess. When you're building the machine, it does. But when you're like SSHing to it, it, it just has the credentials cached. Uh, and is it using Terraform in the back end? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Auto wraps uh, Vagrant for developing locally, and then it wraps uh, Terraform, Packer, and Console for deploying your infrastructure. There'll probably be plans for adding like Vault and Nomad down the line. So you've just doubled the amount of tools we need to work with stuff? Well, so the idea would be to like to use all of our tools. I guess more more so to use the entire spectrum of tools from development to deploying to production. You need to know a lot of tools, even if they're not our tools. So the idea behind auto is that it would kind of abstract that away for you. And then you just need to know how to use auto. If you're doing like best practices for Rails, which most people that are writing Rails just want to get it running somewhere with a database and caching and VPCs and whatever. But they don't want to worry about all that stuff. So auto should abstract all that way f- for you. So in theory, you could put something besides Vagrant behind auto. Yeah. Uh, right now it's pretty tied to it, but but theoretically, yeah. Hmm, cool. Are there any downsides? Uh, can you think of any? No, it, 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 it's very complex and it's very, uh, it, it's just, was just released 
I mean, it's not really complex in the sense that like it's doing anything magical. It's just like essentially writing text files that these other tools know how to interpret. Um, but it feels a little magical when you use it because of all the the idea is that it would have knowledge like baked into it for how to deploy a Rails app or how to de deploy a Node app. Um, so that so getting that knowledge for free seems kind of magical when you're using it. But it's really just a bunch of text files that are templated. Interesting. So would you suggest people actually use it? Yeah. So if you're, if you're deploying a Ruby app today, then it should just work. Rails, uh, some people are working on. Uh, it, it doesn't have support for like running a database yet, which is pretty important. Uh, and the idea is that Auto can have dependencies. So you can have like a Postgres app, which is a dependency of the Rails app. Uh, and then locally, it would like install Postgres for you and configure everything to talk to each other with console. And then in production, it would just probably just spin up Amazon RDS and it would know how to do that. Uh, but that's not done yet. We're still trying to like figure out what direction to go in. Definitely, definitely play with it. it it's very low barrier to entry. You just install auto and then you just compile your app and it will detect what kind of app you have. And then you can do auto dev and it should install, um, it should install your app with whatever runtime it needs, like Node or Ruby. That should all work. And if you don't have any of the tools, like Vagrant installed, it will install them for you. So you don't have to actually like pre-install anything. It will just take care of that for you. So you really just need to use auto and it should just work. And if you try it and you run into a weird error message or it doesn't detect your app properly, go to github.com slash HashiCorp slash auto and open an issue. Be very much appreciated. And then the other tool we released is called Nomad, which is a scheduler, which probably won't be of interest to most people, but... It's similar to uh, like Kubernetes or uh, Mesos and Marathon. Wait, what people would it be of interest to? Uh, people that are deploying apps to production. like uh, so, so the cool thing about Nomad is that it can schedule. So a scheduler is something that takes work, whether it is a service like my, my web app or a batch job, like go compute you know this thing for me, whether it's like Cron or whatever, and then store the results somewhere. Um, Scheduler takes a bunch of compute resources and schedules work to be, to happen on them. So, so most people use these for Docker containers. So if you use something like Kubernetes or um, Amazon Elastic Container Service, you give it a container and you say, I want to run five of these. And it goes to find five machines that don't have any, that are not congested right now and runs the work on those five machines. Um, so Nomad, cool thing about it is it can schedule Docker containers. Uh, it can schedule uh, arbitrary commands like, uh, binaries or or shell scripts, and it can also schedule. Uh, it has built-in support for Java uh, jars. So if you already have, if you already created a Docker container, or you already have compiled your Java app into a jar, you can just create a really simple job file and submit it to Nomad, and it will go run it somewhere. And uh, the other cool thing about Nomad is it is a single binary, whereas uh, things like Kubernetes need, uh, I believe, etcd running behind the scenes. Or I think I don't know much about Mesos and Marathon, but I think you need a Zookeeper for that. Um, but Nomad is just a single binary that you can uh, deploy very easy. And then also it's very easy to play with locally because there's a single command. Uh, I think it's Nomad agent and you pass it dash dev and it creates a one node cluster on your machine that you can submit jobs to. So yeah, if, if you are working in uh, operations or you want to play with Nomad, definitely download it and run Nomad agent dash dev. And there's a getting started guide too on the website. So did you get to uh, enjoy HashiConf for you doing work type things the whole conference? No, I was enjoying it. I was, I was really excited about Otto because I was working on um, 
Atlas up to the conference. And uh, so the conference is kind of like a, a break for me to, like I, I learned a lot of things during the keynote too. And uh, I got to play with Otto and I've been kind of working on it the past week. Did you know about Otto before it was released? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody inside HashiCorp did. How was Portland? Portland's cool. I ate donuts a lot. Everybody was saying that there's a famous donut shop called Voodoo Donuts. And everybody was like, don't go there. It's for tourists. And I was like, I'm a tourist. I'm going to go there. And it wasn't worth it. It, it was like really, uh, I mean, it was cool to see, but there was like, it was like 5 p.m. on Sunday and there was a 20 minute line. And the donuts were good, but a lot of them were kind of like uninspired. It was just like, here's cereal on top of a donut. And they have a lot of crude humor in the donuts and their packaging and everything else that I really didn't appreciate. So there's another donut shop, which uh, a lot of Portland locals say is better, that I went to called Blue Star. And it was really, really good. And I like that uh, on the wall, it says uh, donuts for grownups, which I thought was a jab at voodoo. I thought that was pretty funny. So, Pam and Jervon, you were at a Strange Loop since we all spoke last. Yes, we both spoke at Strange Loop. How was that? It was good. It wasn't as intimidating as it sounds. Speaking? Yeah. Specifically at Strange Loop. Oh, yes. okay. But it's probably the best conference that I've been to people-wise. Uh, everyone was so friendly. And uh, like when Emily and I got there, people talked to us and they're like, are you here for Strange Loop? My name is this. Good to meet you. Hope to see you around. I don't know also if the large Philly presence affected my uh, view of things, but there were a lot of Philly people there. How'd your talk go? It went okay. It never goes as I, as I plan it to, but I think that's just how talks go. Uh, I think in time I will get better and improve my public speaking. What didn't go as planned? I always go faster than <laughs> I had hoped to go. Me too. Uh, yeah, I just I don't know. Usually, I'm I'm a slow person in life, so I don't know where I get the speed from. Uh, but it's just like, oh man, I'm blowing through this. Why am I blowing through this? And that makes me nervous <laughs> because I'm like, oh, like did I miss something? Or uh, but and yeah. then you go faster because you're nervous. Yeah, it's just a crazy cycle. Uh, but yeah, my worst was, was your... 45 minutes, and I did it in 20. <laughs> Did you actually cover everything? You just talk faster, or did you? Forget? Yeah. Okay. I just didn't time my slides right. Mm-hmm. How was your talk, Pam? It went really well. So, and the the video has been getting a good amount of traction. Oh, was it on that already? Yeah, yeah they the, they published the the things really quickly. All the talks are online except for one because that person requested. Not is that Gary's them. talk? Yeah. Okay, I I noticed that. I wondered if how did you find figure out that he was the only one missing. Uh, uh, Twitter and Slack, there's a big Twitter thing about it. Uh, so uh, he requested for it not to be posted because he likes to curate his uh, online presence. And he says in due time, he will release the best version of this talk <laughs> because okay. he gives it at many places. He did that with another talk a couple of years ago. Okay. And that's just... Uh... In due time, we'll be able to see it. What YouTube channel is it on? Confreaks or is it a... It's on YouTube. Strange Loop oh, Strange on it. YouTube. Strange yeah. Loop YouTube. And there's the 2015 playlist. Yeah, that was that was Chuki's pick last week on the on the podcast. Oh, yeah. No, it's funny. I wonder... It sounds especially like that's like blah, blah, blah reasons are because I'm going to get paid to give this talk a lot more. And I don't want there to be a video of it that would make people not want to hire me for this talk. I can understand from the other side that... I don't know if it was delivery or the production value, but I can understand like wanting to have 
one version of the talk and wanting to be produced very well and being okay with it. Like when he uh, when he did Destroy All Software, uh, his web series about, I guess, like testing and software development in Ruby, he said that he would record it. Uh, he didn't like cutting it together. He didn't felt feel like it felt natural. So instead of uh, instead of recording a couple like few minute blocks and and pasting them together in like a fifteen minute video, he would just record it from beginning to end. And then he would keep doing it over and over again until he was happy with it. So he said he would record like 15 to 20 times to get a, a good take. Oh, so that maybe he just is really... Really into like quality really? and like the, the production value. Yeah, like he wants it to be perfect before he releases it. So um, I can I can I, understand from that side. I guess we can just disagree on that point. I, I don't yeah. think you should wait to release things until they're perfect. Yeah, on the other hand, there are 72 people that also spoke at Strange Loop that maybe do not have the privilege of like not releasing their video and like doing a better version later. Yeah. I also, I, the strange loop versions are really good. So yeah, I'm excited to watch, uh, both of yours. You should watch the closing keynotes for each day first, then the opening keynote for the entire conference. <laughs> okay. Did you have, uh, any favorite talks besides keynotes? Uh, I really like there's one that I'm going to rewatch because uh, I didn't quite get it. And I think that it's really good. I, I wrote a blog post basically covering everything I saw and linking to the video of it. Um, except for of Gary's ideology talk where I said no video posted yet because I, I don't know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think that he was going to just not post it. I thought of another reason why that's bad because if you have like competing talks and you're like, oh, I can just go watch this other talk later. I'm going to go to this other talk. I mean, that is exactly what people do. But like at the same time, there's I, you know, I thought of talks that I wanted to see in person. But in any case, the well, and like the ability to ask questions is is very premium. Uh, But the non-imperative network programming is one that I would recommend. So it's uh, Mindy Preston and she's talking about essentially the networking layer of unikernels, which Mm. unikernels are a newish idea to me. And so then talking about the networking layer of them was a bit beyond my reach. But I her her talk was very, very open. And I think if I could like watch it again, especially in video form, so I could pause and like Google things and search and make sure I understand what's happening before I proceed, I think that would be helpful. So I think it's a talk that'll come off well in video. Um I like the chemical computing one, uh, because it was enclosure. And she used ClosureScript. Um, and Brian Lyle's talk was also good. But it was not a programming talk. But it was still good. Cognitive bias. Yeah. And his talk comes out a little... You might be weirded out by it. but uh, Why? Um, you, you should watch it and then we can talk about it again. No spoilers. <laughs> There's a three-day barbecue thing there. See, I thought you would mention that as one of your highlights that, <laughs> like, that there was a barbecue event. Like, well, we were talking about the conference away. first, and now it's like St. Louis. Yeah, there's, I don't know, it's like a, a block party that was three days. Uh, all the best barbecue game came to town. Was it were good? Veg- yeah, it was really good. Uh, yeah, good baked beans. I ate brisket and sausage and ribs. Yeah, those were the three things I had. It was pretty good, yeah. And uh, tried deep dish pizza. That was also really good. So how, like, we're talking like two, three inches, like tomato sauce soup? No, it wasn't like that. Okay. Uh, It was not like Chicago style. I guess not. But apparently this is President Obama's favorite deep dish. Oh. Pie pizza. 
and the crust was cornmeal, which I haven't had before, so but it was good. It was very uh, stiff and interesting, but it was good. What did you eat, Pam? You you had a vegetarian restaurant or vegan restaurant, right? Yeah, I went to a vegan restaurant there a couple of times, Lulu's local eatery. That was very good. There's also this place called Rooster that everyone seemed to always want to go to. Oh yeah, I did go there once too. And I went there twice. They have a thing called brunch burger and it's two biscuits with burger meat in it, a burger patty, uh, potatoes and eggs and cheese. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I could not finish. St. Louis is pretty cool. It's, it's different. It's spaced out. The buildings are really big. So which of these talks, I'm looking through the strange loop talks, which of them was the keynote? I don't think any of them are titled keynote in YouTube. Oh, no, they probably aren't. Um, so the closing keynotes, one was by Idoline Bobe about tech activism. And then the other closing keynote was on security by Morgan last name person my encounter with her was pretty cool with eileen yeah um because so she came in to our section we were all sitting for the opening keynote and then she came and toby was like oh something about philly and i was like oh this person's from philly and uh toby was like where's the north side and she's like oh it's the puerto rican part and i was like oh she's so awesome of the way she talked i guess or referred to her neighborhood on the Puerto Rican part. I was like, oh, I know where that is. Um, and then I realized she was giving the, the keynote. She seemed awesome. Did you find them, Len? Yeah, I know I just watched a video of hers. I think it might have been from The Strange Loop, my morning ritual. I, I think the best thing I ever did was get a smart TV. <laughs> um, you wouldn't think that it would be like that much difference to turn on one device, but the YouTube like channel on the TV actually just pops right up. So I just like turn the TV on and being that much easier is like flip on YouTube and see what like recommended videos show up. What did you get? Uh, Samsung 4K. Samsung what? 4K. Oh man, we might have bought the same TV. <laughs> I just got it when I moved. I actually brought my TV uh, and it cracked in transition. So I had to get a new TV when I moved to Seattle. Did they pay for it? Uh, no, I actually loaded the truck. So it was all my fault. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought wrapping like a big blanket over my TV was sufficient, but apparently not. Did you lay it flat? Uh, no, I had it standing up. Okay, apparently you're not supposed to lay them flat. Um, I'll send you a picture of mine and we'll we'll compare. I mean, it's not the worst thing if you have the same TV. No, no I'm just it's funny. It's a really good TV. It's just funny that we would buy the same TV without talking to each other. Yeah, and the the Netflix built-in app actually does 4K video too, which is pretty awesome. Did you connect a keyboard to your TV or? No, I'm not sure that I could do that. You can. Oh. Bluetooth. I have not done it yet, but it's been a pain to type on the, the remote. Yeah, if I do want to search uh, for a specific video on YouTube, I usually don't even try and I'll like run to my computer and add it to my watch list and then go back to my TV. You could also, sorry I'm going on about this, but you could also use the YouTube app from your phone and hit the little RSS button, looking button, and you could type on YouTube from, from that app to your TV. What? <laughs> you can control the YouTube app on your TV from your phone. From the YouTube app on your phone? Yeah. Just look for the RSS looking button. If you're on the same Wi-Fi network, you, know, you can basically like cast something to it. That's crazy. Did you go to a conference lab? Uh, I did. The Open Source and Feelings Conference was just a few blocks from my house. Although oh, I you missed... went? I heard really good stuff about that. Yeah, it was Did it you was have really a good. lot of feelings? 
I did have a lot of feelings. Although the programming, I think there were like four depressing talks in a row. I remember seeing the slides from one that said, warning, this is the depressing talk. <laughs> yeah. It was like, warner, this is a downer. <laughs> what makes what makes it depressing? Was it about the community or just like... I mean, just about tech being shitty. Yeah, the slides mm-hmm. I saw that was one about burnout. It was just like, uh, this is going to be a downer. Like, burnout is terrible and you can't avoid it. So everything is terrible. So those that that's a conference where I know the videos are going to come out. And I'm interested in that. Yeah, Confreaks was there. Sweet. What was it like uh, basically walking to a conference? Um, it's convenient, I guess. I'm looking forward to that for ClosureCon. <laughs> I still need to ride my bike there, though. I just feel that... And conferences in Philly is also interesting because nothing is around the Sheraton. So people always want to go out further and then, like... Yeah, I just walk them to Old City, though. Yeah. It's not like a block or two from a lot of stuff. Yeah, I walk them to Old City, so that's... And also the, um, like, there was... When I was at the Open Hardware Summit, you benefit from the, I'm local, I know what I'm talking about. And so you just get to recruit people to go wherever you want to go because they have no clue what they're doing. Where was that? It was at, it was at this church right around the corner from the Mütter Museum. Okay. So it's on that weird edge of Rittenhouse that only has a few, like, restaurants around. And so I brought, like, 60 people to Agno Grill, and the owner was very happy about that. Is there an Agno down there? Oh, Rittenhouse, you said. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the only Agno. When I had dinner with somebody recently, um, I don't remember his last name. Uh, his first name's Mauricio. Uh, Linares. That's a pretty rare first name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He works in Philly. He just moved here. He was wondering where in the city to get paleo food, and I was like, "Oh, I struck Len Smith," and I forgot to tell you. Oh, I, I, I told and him that's Ag- why Agno reminded you of that. Yeah, yeah. I told Ag- him, yeah, yeah Agno's yeah. fine. I told him Agno Grill, but mm-hmm. is there anything else that you would suggest for paleo? Well, food? I mean, their sister uh, store, Pure Fair, mm-hmm. right around the corner. Pure Fair is just like sandwiches and shakes, right? Smoothies. I mean, same, yeah, and then they have to go stuff. Yeah, they have paleo things. What else? Is he the Brazilian dude? Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, then there's just the Brazilian steakhouses. So. <laughs> so he was saying Brazilian steakhouses are good, but like in Brazil, they're like a third of the prices they are here. Yeah. Like here, they're ridiculously expensive. They're like very common, something you eat, not like a fancy occasion. <laughs> I enjoyed that conversation. Yeah. Learning about Brazilian steakhouses. <laughs> While eating banh mi. Yeah, my diet's gone to crap living next to like mm. five banh mi places. It's hard. It's so easy to just walk out my door and, and get a, like a $3 bond me. One just opened up by my house, but it's not $3. Oh, <laughs> gross. It's like $10 for a sandwich. Come on. But that's good, though. Something about the bond me bread is just, I don't know how they do it. But So, Justin, uh, every day I get an email from livecoding.tv uh, about you doing something with auto and oh. streaming it. Yeah, so Len told me about live coding TV like a few weeks ago, and I was doing a lot of private closed source stuff um, for work. But I was like, I'm going to use this when I do open source stuff, uh, which is a good portion of HatchyPup's work. Uh, so I did. After the conference, I spent Thursday and Friday morning live streaming, working on auto, which is kind of cool. Although I have to imagine my stream is really boring because it's like edit this Vagrant file template and then run Vagrant or Auto Dev and then wait like five minutes and then change a line and then run it again. Has it changed how you, uh, like, do you go off on less tangents or do you stick uh, on task basically? And I did notice myself like, yeah, cause I like, I closed, uh, like chat and Twitter and email and then I was just, you know, working 
Um, I did have to open chat later on a second screen just so I could like communicate with coworkers. But yeah, it's really, yeah, I, I definitely think it's kind of like keeps you, it's kind of like pair programming, right? Like somebody else is watching your screen. So you're more likely like, not in a negative way, like I would be goofing off, but just like, it just keeps you more focused. I mean, I, I've only actually done it like twice, but I actually found you could like rubber duck too, which is half of what pair programming gets me. Yeah. I had people in the chat that were posting links to like helping me with things, which is kind of cool. When I had an error message, they would Google it for me. <laughs> Do you talk to them out loud while you're coding? No, no, I have everything muted. I would like to um, stream music, but one, that's hard to do because your output of like iTunes is not an input to your computer. So you need special software like Soundflower to do that. The other reason is because I'm pretty sure if it detects that I'm streaming like copyrighted music, it'll just mute me anyway. No, no, it doesn't. Mm. Yeah. Well, I know that they do that on Twitch. You're talking about Hangouts, though. I mean, if it's WebRTC, it should be a peer-to-peer connection where they should not be able to listen. Oh, live coding TV, right? Because it's like Twitch. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. It's like Twitch, but it's not Twitch. And it's not. I thought th- Twitch I- only did that after they were mm-hmm. bought by you. Wait, weren't they? They're bought by somebody. Amazon. Amazon. Well, okay. So yes, I could maybe do it now, but I'm sure in the future it would be banned. <laughs> I will. I will try. I will try to install Soundflower. And try it and report back to us, yeah. Justin. I don't, I don't mean to brag, but listen to some pretty good music. Well, <laughs> no, I uh, I actually spent like 40 minutes before I streamed to make sure that was working. It was very important to me. Really? Okay. <laughs> but then I never streamed again. Did but... you use Soundflower? Yeah, Soundflower. I had Soundflower on my old computer to stream StarCraft and music, uh, and it messed up my audio settings pretty bad. Like it, everything was just always a little weird and broken. I could never figure out why until I got a new computer and then it was fine again. Everything was weird and broken for me too until I uh, upgraded to El Capitan. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I think it was weird because OS ten always wanted to use the Soundflower driver, not the default. And then yes. I'd have to switch it every single time. They fix that? Every, every time I like plugged headphones in or out, I had to like change my setting manually. So Len, yeah. you upgraded? Oh, Did I you upgraded run into any trouble? immediately. I have one problem I haven't diagnosed yet, uh, but it's not that bad. Everything else is fine. Um, but problem? right now in Z Shell, and I don't know if it's a ZSH specific thing, but uh, sometimes when I try to tab through a file completion, my CPU just goes to 100 and the process locks up, which is really annoying. Interesting. Have you all not upgraded to El Capitan yet? I haven't had a chance to yet. For work, I, you're not allowed, and I haven't upgraded my air yet. Um, Probably will do that this week. Is it worth it? I mean, it is worth it. But what's new that you've liked it so far? Um, no, nothing's really new. I just think it's some like speed and overall stability improvements. Do you get a success? Oh, I thought you said success. <laughs> like, uh, no. uh, yeah, I got a success. Uh. I uh, I think I'm sold. I try to to use the uh, smaller phones now, and they feel ridiculously small. Oh, did you have a five until now? I guess. I had a six. Oh, okay. I didn't want to admit that I upgrade every year, but I do. Yeah, the success is nice. It's, I mean, I think the biggest thing is the speed. I don't know how much of it's, well, I don't know what to attribute what to, but. Your wallet is so lighter that your hand is uh, moving faster. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bad joke. Yeah. That was funny. I like it. <laughs> Between it being bigger and faster and probably the novelty, I just find myself using it a lot more. Like, I won't even bother to get my ipad lately i'll just look like watch videos by success plus i really like the uh oh you you have a plus yeah that was the important part oh uh, sorry I missed that. 
too big. Uh, I really like uh, live photos. They're really cool. Yes. Yeah. Especially like it on my home screen. I have this picture of a uh, our, our child, and you can hold your finger down. It it moves on my home screen. It's really cool. Oh, I didn't even realize that was a thing that worked. Yeah, I'll send you this picture. You can use it oh here. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. But I thought okay. I'm probably not going to put that on my home screen, but it's really good. You like it? That will lead to some awkward conversations. Who's this? That's my friend's daughter. <laughs> 3D touch is really cool. Do you know about the uh, slide right gesture? Oh, on the side of the screen. Yeah, if you force touch the left edge and then slide all the way right, you go to the last app and you go to it really quickly. Yeah, it's. I I tried that a couple times. It doesn't seem very consistent. Like. Depending on how hard I push and also how hard I slide to the right, how fast I slide to the right, it's kind of like iffy, like whether or not it's going to switch apps or not. And if it does switch apps, is it going to open the app switcher or is it going to switch to the last app? Did you upgrade too, Justin? Yes. I wanted to get okay. on the the new every year plan. Mm. So you're doing it through Apple? Yes. Nice. I do mine through Sprint, and I'm wondering if I should move to Apple or not. So I called Verizon, and I was like, hey, I want to get on the Apple upgrade program. How much do I need to pay to get off my current plan like to end the contract? Because my wife was going to do that, and I wanted to like have both of us on the newer contract and not have like one of us still paying Verizon, one paying Apple. I don't know why. I just didn't want to do that. And the attitude I got from the Verizon rep was like unbelievable. So I just hung up, and I just decided to sell my phone <laughs> and use that to pay for the next 12 months of paying for the contract. So do you have a case on your phone, Justin? Yes. I have the new silicone case, which is fantastic. Um, last year, Apple had leather cases that were hard shell which with a leather uh, outer part. And then they had silicone cases, which were not hard. They were just kind of like a, uh, like a wrapper, like a stick on for the whole phone. And they felt kind of cheap and junky. But now this year, the silicon ones have uh, the same hard shells the leather ones did last year. So now I have a silicon one, and it's really cool. The leather case is so awesome. Why? I don't why like the colors. Like They're all just like brown. The weird thing is that like even they get black right away. Though. <laughs> like they just yeah, they so get gross. Hard. And uh, even if they're not. Uh leather like this year there's so many colors that are like a shade of gray like there's like white tan gray darker tan brown black they're really boring mm. so i have an orange case right now which is kind of pinkish uh my wife has a pink band for her apple watch and they're very similar in color but i have an orange band for my phone and an orange band for my watch and they match and they're pretty cool <laughs> and then i also got a blue case for the phone so i can switch it up yeah, I was just asking because that swipe, that force press gesture is really hard to do with a case. I think it's easier without a case to hit the actual like edge of your screen. Uh, maybe that's why. Yeah, try without a case. No, Let me just try the gesture without a case. I'm never going to have it without a case. It doesn't really matter. They're too slippery. Yeah. One thing I noticed about the 6 Plus, it's really big for the Prana pants, and it constantly drops out of my pocket. Oh. Uh, uh, well, do you have a case on it? Not anymore. I mean... I'm going to upgrade soon. So, Yeah, the 6 Plus, you actually don't don't need a case for, I found. The six the regular 6 size without a case is like the most slippery thing ever. It's completely impossible to hold. Once you drop it a few times, uh, you uh, it becomes gritty enough that it has grip. <laughs> I think all of our iPhone talk uh, drove Pam away. Yeah, I'm bored. How about that new S6? I don't even know. I don't either. I just, I just, I just saw a article that was talking about Android phones, and I saw S six, and I thought of six S, and I was like, that's probably confusing to the average consumer. Eh. I think the biggest thing, uh, and this could just be an overall 
technology thing is how well like Siri works now. If you got used to not using it because it was broken, like it almost always does what I want it to now, which is uh, amazing. I don't know if I like the the vibrating thing though. It's like a, it it does seem less intrusive, but I, don't know, I guess I'm used to Siri thing like being loud. No, just a little vibrate, colorful thing pops up on the screen, but it does work better. Yeah, I think part of the reason why it works better, uh, that's actually a hardware thing. Like it's always, it's, it's basically always listening now. So I think you'd have problems where you'd have to press the button and wait like two seconds and then start speaking very slowly. And now you could just start speaking like a second you press the button and it'll it'll catch it all. I like that Hey Siri doesn't need a power cord anymore. Yeah, and it can be trained for your voice, which is the thing that actually let me turn it on. I tested it. I had my boyfriend try to say, hey, Siri, and it only responds to my voice now. So me and my wife both trained ours, and uh, hers won't activate mine, but mine will activate both of ours. <laughs> so if I say, hey, hey, Siri, we both have like our uh, phones on like the nightstand or whatever, the dresser, then uh, both of them turn on and start listening, which is pretty funny. Hopefully all of our listeners uh, have headphones on and we didn't just set their iPhones off. <laughs> I don't think that actually happens. I heard that, that definitely is a thing that happens. No, I heard that joke on another podcast and I was like, that doesn't happen. No, I think gaming podcasts have like Xbox problems because oh. they like actually censor whatever the Xbox power off command is. Hey Siri. Okay, Google. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Xbox off. There you go. There's the test. Please tweet at us. <laughs> Are you guys ready for picks? Yeah. Yes. Pam, do you have a pick? Yeah, so I'm going to pick olduse.net, which is a real-time historical exhibit of Usenet updated in real time as it was 30 years ago. Uh, and so you can wander around old Usenet. I think it's actually, it seems like it might have actually already had all its updates, but you can still wander around it. That sounds really cool. I'm afraid of that. <laughs> uh, Justin, do you have a pick? Uh, yes. Uh, I have one pick and another thing that's not really a... So my first pick is uh, get a dehumidifier. <laughs> uh, having like central air or like air conditioning, a lot of times that you're uncomfortable, it's actually just humid and you can save a lot of electricity and uh, money to keep your home more comfortable if you just dehumidify the air and don't actually try to like cool it or heat it. Um, so we bought a dehumidifier like last week and... Uh, in our new house, we have a sump pump so I can just run the, it collects water. So you need to like take the water out in the bin and pour it out, or you need to have it, uh, have a hose go somewhere. So our new house will have a sump pump and I can just put it into the floor and it won't be a problem. Um, but yeah, it's been much more comfortable in the house and we've been running the air conditioner less. Uh, and then my, my actual programming pick is going to be, uh, Chris McCord gave training at ElixirConf, which also happened last week, uh, where they, they like wrote like a, uh, live document editing system. Um, but essentially there's this repo uh, on GitHub, Chris McCord slash ElixirConf underscore training. And there's a bunch of code. Uh, I don't think it has tests, but it's a bunch of code that is um, written by the creator of Phoenix. There's a bunch of Phoenix code and a bunch of uh, Elixir and OTP code for just a, just a lot of good sample code to read through and, and kind of get a feel for like how things work in Elixir and Phoenix. Uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, so my pick, if you have not watched enough videos yet, is the uh, JSConf channel. Uh, JSConf just released all of the uh, JSConf 2015 videos, or a lot of them at least. So I've been watching those lately. Jervon, do you have a pick? 
My music pick is a song that I heard in an ice cream shop last week called Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. And my programming pick is a video series uh, called Parents of the Dead, which is building a game uh, using closer and closer scripts. It's pretty cool. Those are my picks. Social notes are at turing.cool slash 67. Follow us on Twitter at turingcool, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.